First of all, welcome back to Diebex Doing oh, Things. Oh, yeah. Welcome back. This is our show. We're, we have a little show now. I actually really like it. Um, it's been a really interesting week for diabetes and for us. I uh, was on the gram, like a lot of you, the other day and noticed I was creeping on Rob. And he was like, somebody in his comments had mentioned, I don't know, I think you did something with Gvoke or something I did, like yeah. I had, I had a sponsor post go up with Gvoke. And they asked me to talk to Kenny Rodenheiser, friend of the pod, who also listened to our interview uh, with did? Noor, and he's like, you and Noor are so funny that he oh shouted me out. Anyway, uh, shout out Kenny again. Uh, he's We're going to get him on the pod. I haven't even asked him. We'll get Another him on the pod. Another famous again. fellow. Another famous guy. Um, so we were on there, and we were talking about using glucagon because last year, about maybe a year from now, maybe a little bit before, a little over a year ago, I used glucagon for the first time. Oh, wow. And I have worked with Zeris, for, uh, who makes Gvoke Hypopan and Gvoke Glucagon, for a number of years that like, they brought a bunch of us out to tell us about the product like in 2018 and you know this was kind of before the pharma discussion as well um and i met their team and they're really cool and they're like have this new innovative yeah. shelf stable glucagon and that's better than what was on the market before and blah, blah 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 anyway i really like them and the team and the product and so for the first time i had glucagon i did an interview on the podcast uh with paul the ceo and they were promoting this like pill pack partnership that they had where you could get glucagon for $0 copay if you had commercial insurance. So I was like, cool, uh, I'll do that to see if it works just to make sure it did. And it yeah. did. So I had glucagon pens and I had just ordered a bunch of food, uh, like from like a delivery service. Cause it was like when everything was really locked down and I was watching back to the future. And I think Erica was at her during COVID This is during COVID. Oh yeah, my yeah. goodness. <clears throat> so I had ordered some food. I'm in the house. Erica was at her parents' house, I think. Um, and so I was there alone and I had ordered a bunch of wings. And like, I, when I go in on wings, I go in on wings. I mean, the I'm, man can eat. I'm, I'm a dude. So anyway, um, my wings are on the way and I stood up and I hadn't gotten any like low alerts. And I looked at my pump and it was like, I had two arrows down and it was like 60. Oh no. And then I went and tested and I was. 32 i think and i had like uh, maybe had some insulin on board anyway i was like worried and then at that moment i was like okay i'm clearly dropping i'm clearly in a bad spot but i also have wings on the way so i don't want to ruin my appetite with a bunch of gummy bears which is what i have to treat at the time so oh my god okay or juice or just what be full well yeah. and I, I don't think i had juice so it was like, okay, my only fast acting carbs are food and I'm about to eat a bunch of food. And I don't want to like ruin that. It's yeah, so like, yeah. okay, here's a urgent low, like clearly a severe low blood sugar. Let me see what I can do with this, this Gvoke syringe. So, um, the pre-filled syringe is the one that I had. So I was like, okay, here we go. I gave it to myself in my thigh and sort of like two things happened. So immediately, obviously like within the first 10 minutes, my blood sugar jumped like 35 points. Like yeah. glucagon's no joke, but also I just felt better. I was like, okay, cool. I, I can now, my plan to enjoy my evening um, not is not ruined. Wow. Um, and I didn't have any, I didn't have any side effects. Were and, you high? <laughs> like high, high? So I went from my, my pump sensor said below 40. I was 32, I think on the test. And I ended up 170 within like 45 minutes. And then I came down to like 140 without correcting. Oh, that's chilling. So it was actually like pretty good. 
for me, uh, all in all. Um, I think on average it raises your blood sugar like 120 points. Is wow. what, is what it says I've been learning stuff on this podcast. I know. I don't, and again, this is not this is not a sponsored episode. This is like un, probably an off-label discussion. Uh, but I did. I gave myself uh, glucagon, and I was able to eat my wings and watch Back to the Future, and I had a great time, and it was safe. Wow, that's so awesome. I mean, it just feels like it's the little things, right? It's those little experiences that you don't get to miss out from that you can stick you know, you still live your regular life. Um, well, and then I think too, where Jibo comes in was previously with glucagon, y'all know, like the lily glucagon, you had to like put the syringe in the, like in the little vial and shake it up and wait and then pull yeah, it back yeah. out. It was just like a lot of steps. So this was a lot easier than that. And I don't know, it felt good. And so I shared that on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I did like a story and I talked about it using glucagon because one of the things I discovered during all like the market research that Zeros was doing was that most of the people, it was like 50, 50, like hadn't used glucagon or hadn't used it since they were a kid. And I've never used it. I think there's a little bit of a stigma around it because it's like emergency and it's also expensive, especially if you don't have insurance, it can be really expensive. So if you don't always have it around and you're only supposed to use it when you're passed out, which is how it's been marketed and like yeah, yeah. truth, truly it will save your life. Like if you're unconscious, Yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, now it's been FDA approved to use in case of emergency before you pass out. So wow. you can like self-administer that if you need. I mean, if you're in the 30s, man, like why are we about to drink six juice boxes? Why are we doing that right, to ourselves? Right, it's right. actually kind of not fair. Like sometimes, uh, you, have you ever had dinner and been low after dinner oh, and you're stuffed? the worst. Kill me. Like, like, uh, and it always uh, happens to me like after a... Cause like when I eat a nice dinner, I'll have like a steak and maybe some vegetables and like maybe some mashed potatoes and like a dessert, but like pretty low glycemic index. And, but I'll protein. give myself like, uh, yeah. So your insulin will like lower you and your protein is like later. So that yeah. it won't come up until later, but you don't want to be 20, you know, for right. an hour, you know, not feeling good. So then you got to like drink orange juice and ruin the, you just feel like trash. It sucks. I didn't, and I didn't even know that, that was an option. I guess for me, I was diagnosed so long ago. I feel like it was a million years ago, but back in 2001, it was just a little, like you said, the shaker upper thing and the needle. And it was like this entire kit and seemed, I was very over- overwhelmed by it. So I think we kept one in the house, but I would be lying if I said that we got a new one every year. Like probably the one that right. we had at the crib was like an expired one that we didn't use again. And so ever since then, I'm like, I never used it when I was a kid. Why do I need it now? So now right. I feel like maybe I should have one in my house. Yeah. It, you know, <laughs> and if you have insurance and you're able to get it easily and quickly, uh, it, it's, it's a good option. If you don't have insurance, they have patient assistance programs. And, you know, if you go through it and you fill it all out and it doesn't work, come talk to me because I have uh, been working with them really closely to make sure that we cover that on all of our marketing messaging because not everybody has insurance. And everyone who's on insulin should be, you know, should have glucagon close by or have a prescription for glucagon, glucagon because you never know when you, what if you're out of orange juice or you're out of gummy bears and you're in, you're in trouble uh, home by yourself uh, or, you know, or something or, or like that or on the go. I keep one in my travel bag now because it's small and easy to carry. So like, yeah, I don't know. It just like having an improved product really uh, it's something that I carry around now. So keep that thing on me, man. I keep that thing on. <laughs> I don't me. know I why that's immediately... I keep that strap uh, <laughs> in in there. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. So anyway, I shared it on Instagram, and Kenny had used glucagon when he was a kid at actually at Friends for Life. Uh, he told a story on the okay. YouTube video that we did, and we can include the the link to the YouTube video in the show notes. But Kenny saw my Instagram story, and then like three weeks later, had a bad low, and used his Gvoke. Oh, wow. uh, because he's like, I saw Rob use it. He didn't have side effects. I wanted to do the same thing. And, uh, he told me that we were like playing Mario Kart together or something last fall. And so then, 
you know, we start that the story started circulating around. I shared it with Zaris just to say, yeah. Hey, you know, thank you guys for introducing me to this product because I used it and it really helped me in a tough time. And they were like, Oh, we got to get you and Kenny together to talk about it. So that was really Dope. cool. That's awesome. No, especially because like, like me, how many people probably have no idea. I really thought it was still the antiquated thing. Like I knew Gvoke was a thing because sure. I know you and I've seen the post, but I've never like taken a step further. I think it's that initial overwhelming feeling about glucagon. It's like, why do I need to know more? Hopefully it's just something I never even need, like life insurance. or right. so it, it feels like a taboo almost. Not a taboo, but just maybe like a weird thinking around it. Yeah, I think so. I think that's just historical. And, and it is for emergencies. And it is, you know, severe low blood sugars are serious. You know, I do the 69 jokes and it's funny and I love laughing about diabetes. But like, you know, low blood sugars are scary. Yeah. And so especially when you're in a real, you know, severe spot. low spot. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it was an emergency that is was that turned out not to be an emergency for me yeah, because I had the stuff on. You hand, had the so, tools. Yeah. Wow. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's my glucagon story. <laughs> I also then used it again like three months later because uh, I was just like, oh yeah, you know what would make this really easy? Glucagon. Dude, I you know wow. I'm yeah definitely a tool that I want to add to my tool belt now. So I'm gonna look into it. My endocrinologist actually called me five minutes ago before this episode. So I'm gonna give her a call. Now today. you have a note for her, right? That's great. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, okay, so that's been a little bit of what's going on. That's with the diabetes and the SponCon. Uh, I also put up a Medtronic video this week as well. Five CGM tips in 90 seconds, which was a lot of fun. And actually, he's been doing pretty well on YouTube, so that's been fun to, oh, awesome. to see as well. So doing more YouTube stuff uh, since Instagram Medtronic is, is being whack. Uh, I don't know anything about the sensors. Otherwise, I'd ask you a million questions probably. But we, can do, we can do more about that uh, another time. Absolutely, we can, yeah, we no, can just sure. Q&A about sensors. You had a question for me I in, did. Um, in our emails this week, and you said, <laughs> I'm going to quote you here. Oh, man. Where TF <laughs> do the hot diabetics store their pumps? Because this is not cute at all. It's V-Ghetto. <laughs> so I just want people to know what our professional communications look like. Okay, so two things. First of all, I want you to know that that email got sent out like at 8 a.m. one morning, but it was actually written like at 2 a.m. <laughs> at some time. Okay, I got it Sunday at 1 p.m. So there you yeah, go, okay. yeah. And I had to like schedule it because I was like, man, I don't want Rob to think I'm crazy because I'd be having these random thoughts where I'm like, man, sure. what do diabetic people do? So the other day I went for a run and my leggings didn't have any pockets. And I was wearing like sports bra and like a tank top on top. And I wasn't wearing a hoodie because I live in Texas. We live here yeah. where it is. I love, I love all y'all in California. I do. And y'all wear sweats all year round. I see Jerry Lorenzo on Instagram in full hoodie and sweats in July. And I'm like, bro, how, how do you do that? Cause I would sweat so much. You'd melt. I would be awful. Yeah. It would be awful. We'd be very, very thin out here. Just like sweat just suit, sweat sauna suit. suit. <laughs> yeah. It'd be sauna suit all day. So you ha if you're going to work out outside, you have to basically be wearing very little or thin clothing. Right. So I'm like, bro, where do I put snacks? Where do I put stuff? Um, I do have a fanny pack. I'll be honest. I misplaced it. Couldn't find it. And I was like, why don't they make stuff with a ton of pockets? Like, where do y'all well, put Well, let's be stuff? honest. It's hard to run with a fanny pack. I did I did my marathon, my half marathon with one, but I had it turned around on the back. Okay. So it's like your booty has to support it basically while you run? Well, then that way it's like not like jumping in front of me because you so lean annoying, forward when man. you run a little bit. Anyway, so I got two recommendations for you. Okay. If you're a dude out there and you're like, okay, I see. Let's let's start with the women. Actually, we'll start with the women's, and, and that'll you. transition it because the lady, ladies first, y'all. Uh, <laughs> ladies have Sunita has done a lot of stuff with our lady diabetes influencers, and 
they have pockets and sports bras that you can tuck stuff in. Uh, also, Myabetic is introducing athletic wear, I oh, think, okay. uh, and they're they're innovating their product line to be more than just bags. Okay. Uh, so I think they're doing the same thing, like uh, leggings and um, like sports and bras sports bras with with pockets in them. Lululemon has I don't know if they have sports bras. I know they have leggings with the like tights are on trash, there. Trash dog. I wore them today for my run, and like I could barely put my AirPod case in there. It was, oh, yeah, it, it doesn't have tiny pockets. Sad. So. Uh, for the dudes, though, Wolaco, uh, W-O-L-A-C-O, is a company I worked with and did some stuff for back in 2018, and they still make really great running gear, and they do it so that you don't have to hold your phone, and then they have like a pocket that's for other stuff, and my pump, Medtronic pumps, and I think probably uh, like tandem. T-Slims, tandem yeah. pumps would fit in that pocket. So if you wear a tube pump, I, I wear it playing basketball, so I, I keep my pump on me. I keep that thing on me always, so... <laughs> um, just tucked into that little pocket from my Wolaco tights and they are great quality. I've had them for years and they work great. So definitely support them and, uh, you know, Sunita and Myabetic as well. I feel like even if I, well, maybe this is just me being annoying now, but if I, even if I put the, cause I, I think I have seen those bras on the internet like this week once I started looking into it and then the pocket's like right here, bro, how do you, how you get to that? My guy, like, yeah. I don't know. Diabetics do amazing things every day. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, and the Wolaco, I, I think the men's like tights, if you, I don't know how the sizing would work, but you could, you could come up with some cute like biker shorts for yeah, the yeah, ladies. Yeah, you, yeah, you, could, yeah. you could rock you that You ran a well. half marathon? I did, yeah. When? 2018. Okay. So it's, it's okay. So it's totally doable then. So I started running this week because I want to run a marathon next year. And um, it's hard. It, running is tough. So yeah, I guess I'm trying to figure out all the tips and tricks that... I would start, don't do what I did. I, I, the longest run I did before my half marathon was eight miles and I did it the week of the marathon. Why? <laughs> Cause I, I don't know. I'm crazy. Even like one of my, like I was training at this gym, Erica and I were going to this gym called Eastside athletic club at the time that one of my uh, friends was a strength coach there. And I had known him for years and we played basketball together back in the day. And he was like, Oh Rob, you just decided to run a marathon, bro. Like you haven't been training for it at all. You just decided to run one. I was like, yeah. I had signed up for it. Uh, running was something I was just going through as part of the grieving process after my dad died. I do not enjoy long distance running and I was trying to okay. just do things that I didn't enjoy to take my mind away from my pain. Oh and, my goodness. Uh, you know, I just had this route that I would run that was by the hospital where my dad got sick and I was just like, I don't know, it was this big, you know, that was part, part of my process. I, I don't know, yeah. yeah. I remember f crossing the finish line of the, ha of the marathon, half marathon. Uh, was a great feeling. Uh, oh, good. And I just, you know, it felt very close to like accomplishing that goal. And I did it in like just over two hours. So I was, I was cruising the last like two or three miles. I was crushing it. Um, What's a half marathon, like 13 miles? 13.1. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, the, the marathon. So I want to, I'll say this here. I feel like if I say this here, it's like a big commitment. People will know. Uh, no, maybe. Okay. I would like to run a marathon next year. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. And I'm going to keep working really hard to do it, but it seems so difficult. And I'm not going through anything painful right now that I feel like. That helped for me. I was <laughs> like, I had this no, in I get internal that. storm. Yeah. Cause it's like something to think about, you know, like, I mean, diabetes is annoying, but it's not as deep as like losing your parent. Like my goodness. I will say though. I had like my fanny pack full of the goose or whatever, like the, and I started, I started the race a little bit lower than I wanted to. I was like 80 when I started it. And, uh, 
uh, and I got through like all my goos before the end of the, like at mile 10, we were running by a seven 11. I just felt my blood sugar just going through the floor. And I said, <laughs> I walked into the seven 11 and I like bought, uh, <laughs> use Apple, shout out Apple pay, bought a couple Gatorades, pounded one. And then kept that thing. Moving. I love technology. It, it was great. So, yeah, it was so good. It's so not V ghetto. <laughs> yeah. It's very like, I, but I, because of those Woloco, so back to the, back to the topic, uh, I ran the marathon in Wellico tights and I had money and, and pump and credit card in, in the tights just in case and the phone. So shout out, shout out Wellico for powering me through that marathon. And we've great. had some runners on the pod in the past. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go back and listen to their episodes. We're having a runner on the pod up soon. I just talked to him, Casey, amazing guy. Can't wait for you guys to meet him. We've had some amazing um, runners on the pod. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we had Ross Baker did a hundred marathons. He's done over a hundred marathons. hundred He did a marathon in every state. 2,600 miles. The man is a machine. Yeah. We did that interview back in like 2017, I think. And this his, is crazy. His, his story is pretty amazing. So, uh, speaking of amazing people, we have an awesome guest coming up for you. Uh, Grace Choi, uh, is coming on Grace with type Love one her. on Instagram. Love her. She came on the scene, came into the, my diabetes life as a member of the hype squad when I was doing Rob Howe as a live show. Uh, which was super fun and uh, a, a, definitely a moment in time in, in the quarantine. Oh my God, I can't wait to get the tea. I just remember there's tea in this episode. Oh, there's tea in this there's episode. Tea, and I'll Ooh. tell you guys what the tea is, okay? Don't Let's tell, hear it. Don't Let's tell hear anyone, it. you guys, okay? So Grace is dating another diabetic guy. Oh, that's right. We do and have to I ambush And I know him, yeah. yes. So I'm so excited to find out like what all the tea is there, how that is the real, because like, Airtrade's been asking about diabetic couples a lot lately. Dude, Syra, so Syra started my interest. Like, I was kind of, like, already, like, oh, what's going on with them? Like, how do you really, like, I won't, I don't think marriages or relationships are codependent, like, not emotionally. But when you have diabetes, there are some things that your partner, when you don't have diabetes, does for you. I know that Rob is a superhuman and does not have this problem, according to him. Because I think that's what you said last week, right? You're like, I do all my stuff, right? It's just... Erica has been very helpful to me recently. Like, she'll go downstairs. If I'm, like, really down bad, she'll give me some low snacks. Yeah, but she you're, helps but me you're order independent. My like, you yeah, like to be independent. But I'm not like that. Like, I'm the worst. Like, I literally, like... My blood sugar will be 78. I feel absolutely fine. I'm sitting on the couch, and I'll just look at Heston and stick out my bottom lip and be like, I'm low. He's like, up, 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 up. So, like... I wonder how that works in a, in a relationship where both people have diabetes. Like, can you still get away with stuff? Do they know what's up all the time? Like, do they call you out on your shit? Like, what? How, it's how like, does oh, you're 75. Oh, get up and get that. Stop playing with song. me, girl. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess we'll find out. So, uh, Grace Choi coming up on Diabetics Doing Things. But before we go, uh, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Real Good Foods. Real Good Foods has been a friend of the pod for a number of years now, and they're back sponsoring this episode. They have become one of the fastest growing frozen food companies in the U.S. Everything that they make is nutrient-dense, high in protein, low in carbs, and made from real food ingredients. Instead of using processed flours, everything Real Good Foods makes is 100% grain-free and gluten-free, which is how they keep the carbs so low. And they make food for every occasion. Breakfast sandwiches, which are my favorite Real Good Foods product, poppers, enchiladas, entrees, pizza, and even ice cream. Everything they make is super convenient, which helps when you're trying to eat cleaner, but you're crunched for time. It's easy to prep and you can enjoy in a few minutes. And the best part is everything is super tasty and it's available at Costco, Walmart, Target, Kroger, and in almost every grocery store chain nationwide. Or you can order online and have them delivered straight to you the same day through Instacart, which if you haven't tried it yet, there's a 14-day free trial available. Best of all, we are going to have a code so that you can get $15 off a $15 purchase 
So you can get that online at realgoodfoods.com if you use code DIABETICSDOINGTHINGS. So again, for $15 off a $15 purchase, use code DIABETICSDOINGTHINGS at checkout at realgoodfoods.com. Check them out at realgoodfoods.com or at Real Good Foods on all their social platforms. Thanks again to Real Good Foods for sponsoring this pod and being a cool friend of the pod for people with diabetes for a number of years. Okay, now back to the episode. Welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. This is the first episode of its kind because we got Eritrea and I are in person, and then we have our guest calling in, a very special guest, friend of the pod, friend of Eritrea. Eritrea has met her in real life, and she's also a very exclusive member of the 2020 <laughs> hype squad around Rob Howe's live show. Grace Choi, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, we're so excited that you're here. And, you know, I think the, the other thing that we're really going to, we're going to talk a lot, about, a lot about diabetes today. We're going to talk about friendship. And I think one of the things that drew me to you initially as we met kind of during the, the live show days, I was like, man, Grace and I would be friends. I think we have the same interests outside of diabetes. So that's always a fun, a, a fun quirk whenever you meet people online. That's usually how it works, right? It's like, well, I personally, so <laughs> Grace knows, but the way she talks online is very like real. Like it's not sugar-coated. She is not a bakery. She is not here to give you a donut. <laughs> She's here for the bread. <laughs> so yeah, like I love it. I love her and I'm so happy for her to be here and share her story today. Yeah, I'm excited that you're here. So Grace, uh, as usual, let's introduce yourself and the best way to do that on Diabetics and Things is to start with diagnosis. Uh, sure. Uh, so it's been about three years ago now three and four years ago now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was diagnosed in October of 2017. Um, I was 21 years old and I have absolutely zero family history of diabetes in my family. Um, I'd actually been sick for a very long time. Um, I had no idea what was going with my body, going on with my body. Um, after the fact, I've learned that there's typically something that triggers your body's response to um, that like autoimmune response. And so what I can pretty much pinpoint that back to for me is actually, um, I started taking antidepressants when I was a freshman in college and I reacted in full body hives. And from that moment forward, I remember having excessive thirst, frequent urination, um, all the classic symptoms of a high blood sugar, but that actually lasted for two years before we get to like the bulk of my diagnosis. Um, so that went on for a very long time. Um, I was just like miserable for two years. <laughs> uh, and then it got to a point where I just lost an extreme amount of weight, all the classic signs, but the weight was the thing that made me go into the doctor. Um, I hit like 80 pounds. I started to drop mm -hmm. below 80 pounds. For reference, I'm 130 pounds right now. <laughs> so I was pretty much a skeleton. I went in to get blood work done. The doctor, I remember, said he was like, I think it's probably just a thyroid issue or something like that. Um, about a week passes, he gives me a call. He said, your blood work came back. You have high blood sugar. I want you to come in and talk to me. So the next day, I went and saw this doctor. He was just the GP at the student health center. Um, he looks at me and says, so you have diabetes. 
and he straight up told me, you should probably, you know, just kind of like get your life together. I know you're in college, but like, just try to eat better and like exercise a bit more, you know, like a lot of people, a lot of Asian people have diabetes because, you know, you eat a lot of rice. And I was like, oh, no, okay. the racist. Oh, my God. <laughs> racist watchdog. Um, <laughs> so then he just sent me back home. Uh, he well, he told me I have you set up with like our in-house endo um, for a few days later. And he sent me back home on my way. I woke up a few days later to go to the endo. I remember barely having enough energy to like roll out of bed that day um, and just looking in the mirror that day. And I was like, wow, I look like death. And then I was like, okay, out the door. I'm going to ride the train and go to school. And like, <laughs> um, I ended up seeing the doctor. She took one look at me and she was like, I am sending you to the hospital. <laughs> um, and how did that feel like, especially after being in, like going to the GP, him like diagnosing you with diabetes and then sending you home. Did you feel validated or like relieved when they told you to go to the hospital at all? I don't know. I don't think so. I think I was confused because that first doctor had sent me home. So when she was like, you need to go to the hospital, I was like, I, I asked her, I was like, how long do you think I'm going to be there? I'm, I'm seeing a movie with my sister tonight. Oh my she was like, you're going to have to cancel that. I'm sorry. Do you remember what movie it was? It, I can't remember what it was called, but it was that tennis movie about Billie Jean with oh, I know what you're Stone talking. and Steve uh, Carell. Yeah, uh, Battle of the Sexes. Yeah, it is that. Battle of the Sexes. Wow, Rob, wow. Amigo, media machine. But yeah, they came out in the fall of 2017 and we were supposed to go see that that night. Um, I called her, I called my sister. I was like, I'm so sorry. I have to cancel. I'm going to the hospital. Oh, <laughs> great. Um, yeah, it was just a big shock to me because I don't think I, like diabetes was not on the radar at all. I had no idea what that even meant. I didn't know how sick I was until I learned about it after my diagnosis. Um, and so they take me to the hospital. Um, it's so dramatic. They like strap me to a stretcher, carry me outside to the ambulance. I'm like, oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. They're like, is this necessary? <laughs> in New York, um, they never know. You got to strap you to that. Is stretcher. that what it is? Is it New York? I don't, is think, that... so. I don't think so. <laughs> um, but it's not like I had to take any stairs. It was just an elevator. So I was like, I can do it. <laughs> uh, they took me to the hospital. They took me to NYU Langone, um, which is actually a really great hospital in New York City. So I felt very lucky in that. Um, they, I just remember they like, I had so much like blood tests done and stuff recently that I just had bruises all over my arms too. Um, and so when they stuck the IV in, they were like, um, what happened to you here? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know, you know. Um, I ended up staying in the hospital for only three days, which from talking to a lot of people isn't actually that long. Um, what I hear most people say is like they stayed in there for like five days, six, seven, a week, about that much. Um, but I remember being very adamant about wanting to leave because I had to take a midterm. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, the professor uh, that I had, he was like my favorite professor, but he was also notorious for not allowing people to take like retakes or anything like that. So I asked him for a single day extension. 
I was like, I leave the hospital on Thursday. Can I take it Friday instead of Thursday? Um, and I mean, he let me do it. I showed up looking like crap. Um, but I remember just the entire time I was in the hospital, I just like studied um, and refused to think about like my diabetes and like face reality kind of. I think I was in a bit of denial. Um, I think the weight of my diagnosis didn't hit me until that weekend. So like I left the hospital on Thursday. Um, I took that test on Friday and then I had nothing else to really think about except what had just happened to me. Um, so yeah, I definitely was in denial for a few days about what was going on. Um, Cause I don't think my mind could just comprehend it all. Yeah. Um, uh, when I, so like rewind a little bit, when I got to the hospital, I called my sister. She told me I should tell my parents. Um, and I was like, no, they're going to be mad at me. <laughs> don't know why that was the thought I had, but it is. Um, I think like looking back on it in terms of like mental health, I think a, a longtime fear of mine has always been like not being enough for my parents or like disappointing them. Um, and I think that I think that's part of like the immigrant mindset too, like yeah. Yeah. your parents, like they moved to this country for you to have a better life. And I'm like, mm -hmm. part of me feels like getting diagnosed or going to the hospital was in some way failing them. So mm -hmm. I, I was kind of scared of telling them. Um, I finally called them. I was like, hi dad. And he's like, oh, how are you doing? What are you calling about? I was like, I'm in the hospital. <laughs> and he was like, oh my God, we're coming. I was like, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I ended up coming up. It's about like a two hour drive from Delaware. Um, and then the first thing my mom said to me when she walked in the room was, was it something I did? Like, mm -hmm. where did I mess up? Um, and she like asked the doctors that she asked me that I was like, no, it really isn't. If I've learned anything in like the past day, since I've been diagnosed, it's that I didn't do anything to cause this. Um, so like there was definitely a lack of information between me, my parents, like, honestly, kind of everybody around me. Um, but then my, yeah, my parents stayed with me until I left the hospital. And then me being 21 years old was like, go back home, leave me alone. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> I would have done the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I can't, so peace out. Thanks for coming to check on me, but I'm good. Take you yeah. and all this that I left there back there. <laughs> Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, you're in that such an important part of your life, right? Where you almost completely cut the cords, like from being like home, and you're far enough away that they can't just like surprise you mm -hmm. and make a quick visit. You know, that was mm -hmm. 21 is interesting. That's one of the reasons why I went to Colorado. I don't talk about this very very often. Is like I didn't want to be within like immediate reach of my parents. I wanted to be like you know start my own life. It's not that I didn't love them. I do uh, to, to the max, but. I didn't want to, I didn't want them just dropping by, <laughs> you know, I wanted to have a big, yeah, like far enough thing. away where, you know, it's like, it's a trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think too, um, you know, what you talked about with your mom, not being able to accept or, or asking immediately, was this something that she had done or some, you know, that was the mm -hmm. thing that my dad, I think, especially initially had a really hard time accepting. And since I have opened up about that on the pod, a lot of other people have uh, both parents and, you know, children of people with diabetes have said similar stories about their parents. And, you know, I think as a parent, you just have ownership over your kids. Like, you know, you, you're responsible for them even after they leave the house and you immediately mm -hmm. take internalize some of that. And I think you like you said, so hard, you know, like don't let them watch TV this day, make sure they do all that. Like, I think especially like in immigrant families. Um, so I'm not sure if it's like this in the Asian community, I'm sure Grace can tell us more about this, but I feel like in, in my, in, 
reality it's like you're kind of your parents retirement plan like they came to this country mm. there's no like a huge amount of savings there right because they're new to this country so they're investing they're making all these decisions these thoughts for you trying to plan for your future accordingly and then if something like this happens they feel like it's their fault because it was their plan for you you know what i mean so mm-hmm. that can be tough sometimes yeah, if there's one thing that the Fast and the Furious franchise has taught family. me is that you never turn your back <laughs> on family. Rob thinks that he's a, what's his name? Uh, Vin Diesel now. Oh, no, I'm just, you know, my whole life I wanted to be Paul Walker. I wanted to have the cool car and the hot girls and the, and the great, you know, blonde highlights. You know, Whatever. Anyway, anyway, Grace. <laughs> yeah, so back back to the topic. Um, Grace, you brought, brought up something like about your diagnosis, like, and you know, stigma about diabetes in Asian and Pacific Islander communities and like that stigma associated with it. And also like a lack of visibility and lack of diverse voices, especially in the diabetes online community. What, what has that journey been like? I know that on this podcast, we have only, we've only had a, a small number of, you know, Asian and Pacific Islander representation here. Uh, shout out Aya Saruta, uh, who is one of my all-time faves. Saira too, South Asian. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know. What has that been like as you've sort of found your way into the diabetes community, you know, plugging into those, those different, you know, groups of people? Um, I think, I mean, it's definitely been, I think diabetes in itself can be very isolating. I think the fact like factoring in that I do have a Korean American background is even further isolating. Um, I think a lot of times in Asian culture, because of that stigma around just illness in general, Um, especially invisible illnesses. So like something like diabetes or like depression, um, a lot of Asian communities don't talk about. Um, And South Korea actually has a really big issue with suicide um, because nobody talks about mental health in South Korea. Um, It's just, you just don't talk about it. And that's kind of what you're taught. Like your problems are your own and like you figure it out, you don't talk about it. Um, But that's just, that's so isolating. Um, And I don't think that's like mentally healthy. (laughs) <laughs> and you're like a staunch mental health advocate through your, through your platforms. You, you talk about your highs and lows around mental health. Mm-hmm. I think I've been a mental health advocate um, before I was even diagnosed with diabetes. Um, it's something I've been struggling with personally since like high school. Um, and in my own struggle, I found that I wanted to like, I found that I wasn't alone and that I wanted other people to know that they aren't alone either. So I started advocating for mental health through various organizations in high school. um, And I think that kind of just translated into adulthood. And I think diabetes just became kind of like a complicating factor in how I'm like learning how to just navigate my mental health even further. Um, I think mental health just is so important. Um, I've dealt with like an array of different things in terms of like, I've dealt with depression since I was in high school. Um, More recently, I've dealt with some, I think the body image issues have always been there, but recently that's like escalated to an eating disorder. Um, And I think that is actually probably catalyzed by the diabetes. Um, And I think like in diabetes, you have to be so aware of what you're eating all the time um, in order to kind of be in control, Um, especially when I'm only like three, four years out of my diagnosis, that that heightened awareness of just food um, mixed with my already there body image issues uh, led to an eating disorder. Um, So I think like 
And that's also like frowned upon talking about in Asian American or Asian culture in general. So it's like all these complex identities of like where I'm coming from and like trying to just navigate that. Um, I feel like sometimes on Instagram, especially, which is like where I mostly like talk to people in the community, um, I see pages that like look so pretty or like are really targeted and specific about what they talk about. And then I look at my page, I'm like, wow, I'm all over the place. Like I'm just talking about everything. Um, Gosh, yeah, I, I run into that too. It's like there's people are multifaceted, you know, and it's so hard to focus on one thing when there's like all these other things that are either interests or, you know, real things and issues that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And, it, and they all know. impact each other too. Like they all interact with one another. It's not like they're all in their own little neat box. Like they're all like complicating factors in life, I guess. And that's what, that's why I think diabetes is so complicated because it has so many inputs and, you know, it's so closely tied to mental health. It's so closely tied to food and, uh, you know, such a higher percentage likely that you're going to deal with an eating disorder uh, related to diabetes. And, uh, it's tied to physical activity and it's tied to, it's tied to everything. There's, you know, like if you don't get enough sleep, you're, you're probably going to be insulin resistant the next day. It's like this, like, Oh, well, great. Another thing that I have to worry about, or if I'm traveling or if, you know, stress and cortisol, like I had that, we were, uh, we were chatting the other day on my, on Instagram. <laughs> I like gave myself 10 and a half units of insulin oh. for a pizza that I forgot to eat while I was oh, watching I the basketball that. game and nothing happened. Like where my did blood sugar didn't even like what happened, where'd it go? I don't know. I want answers. Yo. Units, man. I no, just gone. Oh, just wow. gone. Oh my goodness. Constantly <laughs> walking a tightrope. That's diabetes, yeah. I feel like. And I think it goes the same t- the same way for mental health. Like, you know, how many things do we have to advocate for? There's just so many different things that affect the whole person. And if you're going to share your story and share your journey, it's it's great to be honest about all of that and also exhausting to try to keep up with some of it sometimes. The, disor- <laughs> the disordered eating thing is really, I don't, I think we only talk about like usually the same like type diabulimia or the same type of eating disorder, but I don't think we talk about like just even those tiny little habits that you can develop over time with like your diabetes that could potentially be really harmful. Um, because it's just like, like Grace said, you just have so much focus on every single meal, like calculating, doing math, figuring it out and how it's going to impact your body. Like it's, it's really dangerous. It can be really dangerous. Yeah, especially uh, you said, like you said, Grace, you're only four years in. Uh, you know, I say mm-hmm. I say only because like you'll be living with this forever, right? And yeah. we've all been there. <laughs> uh, and you know, over the life of your, over the course of your life with diabetes, there will be different phases and seasons where sometimes things just show up differently or they change dramatically. And uh, I think that's one of the also the things that over a long life with diabetes that strain and like carrying that load, especially if you're isolated and you're doing it on your own, can be really difficult. Mm-hmm. I think something else that I've found in like my journey, I guess, is having disordered eating with diabetes. It's really tricky to find someone to actually have the correct experience to help you. So mm-hmm. I've seen a number of like psychiatrists and therapists and nurse practitioners and things like that. Um, and I'm like, I'm actually currently looking for a new one because I I went to a therapist about like my eating issues and she, her like advice was like, oh, then just like eat freely. Like, don't think about it. I'm like, but I, I can't, I'm just like, I'm always, I can't not think about it. Right. right <laughs> I don't right. know how to do that and deal with my diabetes. That's like, it's because it's just in your face. Diabetes is just so in your face all the time. Um, so, I mean, I think that's also another tricky part of trying to just figure it all out, but <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we're all, we're all trying to balance and figure this out. 
No, I mean, especially like with being women, there's so much pressure just from everyone. Even like you have to look a certain way, feel a certain way, even if you be, are being positive. Like I think that some people even, I, I think that there are some people who struggle with their diabetes and disordered eating to the point where like they even think it's positive. Like there are some people who like sell that coaching stuff online and even have like tips and tricks for people and stuff like that. And I just don't think that that stuff, I think even that can be harmful because we're teaching a culture of almost not like, the food is gasoline, it's good for your body instead of it just being like numbers on, on a little scale that you're measuring and stuff like that. Well, and I think a lot of that has nothing to do with diabetes. Diabetes is yeah, just I another guess. layer of complexity on top of that because like you said, Grace, like eating freely with diabetes, like what does that mean? You know, and like yeah. that, that, that looks differently for somebody without diabetes than somebody with it. And because, you know, we've thought about, we, we've counted every carb since, <laughs> since day one, you know, since the jump. And I, I used to make jokes about that, like, I would compulsively count other people's carbs with me, like in college and stuff. I would just like, would you really? Yeah. I would just look at their plate and be like, okay, boom, boom, boom. Just like go down the line. And I don't know if that was just me. I think at the time I was like, well, I'm just going to become an expert. Carb I did it counter. as a party trick. Like yeah. I used to tell people that I could tell you that I can tell you the carbs in anything. They'd be like, what really? And then they'd be like, they'd quiz me and I tell them and like, okay. And then they'd Google it and be like, oh my God, she's a calculator. Diabetes coming yeah. through. So much math involved in diabetes. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. We yeah. wanted to talk. Uh, but I know we just had this weird, awkward pause, but I want to finish this because right now you're, you have over, over the last few months, you've changed your training regimen mm -hmm. um, and you've been very open and I've been very interested to follow along like with your journey and how it affects your body image. And you're kind of like working against the way like historically society like has taught you to feel good about yourself, right? Like, because you're, bulking right now if i'm not I, and i don't know walk us through the process of, of like how, how that's been going and like what that's been like for you um i think so at the moment i i think i'm done trying to bulk because i've hit my weight goal my weight goal was 130 um i'm also like i'm just so uncomfortable with how much weight i've gained it is like i have to tell myself like it's okay like you're fine but like i often find myself very uncomfortable with how much weight i've gained right now um it's, I'm definitely stronger than I was before, which I'm super psyched about. But then like, I think about like, oh, the weight loss thing again, I'm like, this is like not healthy for me. So maybe I'll just mm -hmm. stay here for a while. So that's the plan right now. Um, but it is a bit different. I've been bulking for about the past year since the gyms have opened up in New York City again. Um, before that, when I was quarantined or like during quarantine, um, and honestly leading up to quarantine, I had also started running a lot. Um, Rob, I don't know if you remember this, but we were supposed to be on the same team for uh, a running event. Um, so I was actually training up for that and also had signed up for a half marathon last spring, which all ended up being canceled. Um, yeah, I think we were going to run a Ragnar race. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> it's like a team event where you run like three miles one day, seven miles another day, and like six miles another day, or like different legs. And then you compete a certain total mileage number over a period of time. And we were 
on a team. They're uh, relay races. They're long distance relay races. That's mm-hmm. cool. It's like a two oh, I thought you said really racist. I was like, oh no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, they're relay races. Uh, yeah, they're not really racist. They're relay races. Wow, uh, no, I've, I triggered you. I'm sorry. You did. I was like, oh no. I've been uh, doing that to him a lot. I'm sorry, It guys. wouldn't be surprising, honestly. <laughs> but no, uh, we were on a JDRF. Uh, we were going to run that in Zion National Park. It's going to be like a pretty cool deal. That sounds, wow. Yeah. I, hope, I hope they- But, but it got canceled because COVID. Got out COVID, just killing wow. our vibes. Um, but yeah, I ended up training while I was back in Delaware. Um, there's just so much land there. (laughs) So I just ran a lot. Um, and I had, I think about that point, I weighed about 110 pounds. So since then I've gained 20 (laughs) and for me being five feet tall, like 20 is a lot. Um, but I, I've always grown up like swimming and being an athlete. Um, and so now being in a different kind of like phase of life where I'm not going to swim practices three hours a day anymore, it's like, how do I deal with my body when I'm like, I wanna be active and I wanna maintain a healthy lifestyle, but I'm not necessarily training to be an athlete. So like, where does that balance lie? And like- God, You're speaking to my soul <laughs> right now. So like, so do you miss the structure of being an athlete? Oh yeah. Uh, me too. I like, uh, I just miss having to go to practice. Cause I just knew the rhythm. I was so comfortable and so familiar in that rhythm of having something to train for. Uh, and you know, I, I have a home, I've kind of built my home gym out and I, I love it. I'll probably never go back to like a regular gym, but, uh, it's really hard for me sometimes to like motivate myself because I don't really have anything to train for other than mm-hmm. being in shape and like being healthy and moving. And I love, I'm being an athlete and training like an athlete. I'm, I want to be that. And I want to have kids that I chase around when I'm, you know, if 40, you know, and be active, super dad, whatever. But man, I just, I don't know. There's something that just really resonated with me. And I, it, it's a, it touches a spot in my heart because I know that there are athletes, no matter what level you played at who get out of that structure and really struggle to find themselves mm-hmm. because they go into a job. Like if you're a college athlete, you go into a job and you just assume that your manager is going to be like your coach and they're going to be invested in your success. And like, they're going to teach you and show you the ropes. And it just, isn't that way. <laughs> and I, uh, I don't know, you know, I just, I really thrived in that structure and, and I miss it sometimes I miss having a, Oh man, this is where the season starts. It's, it's funny. Like my body runs on a basketball clock. Like in the summertime, I want to like lift weights and get in shape and like work on my game. And in the wintertime, I'm like, okay, we got to go to practice. Like my body will just start firing up at 7 PM. Like we got practice tonight. Like, where are we going? It's just super strange. I don't know. You just, you, sometimes don't forget those rhythms athlete life i guess mm-hmm. you guys <laughs> special breed of weirdos <laughs> i would like to sleep on my couch and become a piece of it that would be great yeah i, <laughs> no, I, I go through that too i think uh, that's for sure part of the part of the struggle now um, but with sizing goes like so you've bulked you're good like i, I know you're strong as can I, you're strong as shit grace like i know you're <laughs> super super strong like i start i honestly when i started my fitness journey was partially because i used to see grace running she was every morning homie was on the gram. She did not miss. She did not. Okay? Yeah. I think that's when I followed you uh, when we were running that race and you were like, I was mm-hmm. like, man, Grace is running. I better like get on my stuff and get, like get out of the house. <laughs> and in workouts. That's all good. You know, Grace posting it online it. helps you like, it helps me like keep myself accountable. So like, that's why I do it. <laughs> it's definitely inspiring. Like I used to kind of be scared of wanting to be strong. Like I kind of like you also have struggled with like disordered eating and eating disorders. And I just like never wanted to be like the tough girl. But like when you see people like Grace, you see like a girl who can really pick up some weight. I'm just like, whoa, like, I want to be able to do that. Like that looks cool. That's ins- <laughs> it's inspiring. So like, thank you for that for sure. Yeah. And even oh, from my yeah. perspective, 
so I was talking with Erica about this because she was like, oh, I love Equinox Hudson Yards. And I was like, uh, well, I have a friend who works out at Equinox Hudson Yards all the time. Uh, yeah, Grace is, uh, Grace is out there early in the morning on the East Coast at Hudson Yards Equinox just grinding. Respect. <laughs> or swimming. Gotta, I think you're you out there. Oh, I did. I went swimming the other day. Um, they have a swim coach there who like, so they have like yoga classes, whatever classes, but they also have swim classes. Um, and the swim coach there, he's my favorite and he writes great sets. I think he was a college like D1 swimmer or something. Um, <laughs> but now he coaches at Equinox and um, it's really hard to go and swim and motivate yourself. But when someone's like, you know, when you have a coach, it's like, it's so much easier. That is New York City for you. A D1 swimmer is out here coaching at Equinox. This is wild. But you know what? This is not a sponsored Equinox podcast hey, at we all. We would be lying if we would not accept an Equinox sponsorship. <laughs> no, I wouldn't take it anytime. But yeah, no, um, that's, I don't know. Grace is just an amazing person. I forgot what I was going to say. No, I know. Well, I think now is a good time to transition. We've been like, this is throwing our rhythm off a little bit, being not in the same or being We're usually same like room. very like, yeah. I, we've got our thing going, but it's weird because we're trying to like camera it and no, talk. It, it and... works. I think. So now we're going to talk a little bit about the tea. And I'll let oh, Eritrea, yes. like, she like teas that she's like, oh, we got some tea. We got okay. some diabetes community tea because <laughs> you are an active member of the diabetes community. You've mm -hmm. opened yourself up when you've talked about sharing your story and how that really helps. And we've been big advocates of that on this pod for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but Eritrea is on a kick right now about <laughs> diabetes couples. So I'll but turn for, it over to but you. But it was before this. So, okay. To give everybody who's listening just a little bit of background. So it was a very lovely fall evening in New York City <laughs> when Grace and I got together for pasta. First of all, this is something like it, the vibes were immaculate, guys. It was something out of like sex in the city, right? Me and Grace are getting together. We're going to do tequila shots, maybe some wine, chilling. She invited her friend who had diabetes also, lovely gentleman who I'll, I won't say his name. I'll let Grace do that. Um, and I thought that maybe he was just like a diabetes friend. Later on in the evening, Grace kind of like hints that not only is he maybe a diabetes friend, but he's kind of annoying. So I'm like, oh, this guy's not going to get very far. He's just you know, he's just around. He's just the diabetes buddy right now that you complain to, whatever. Months later on the gram, I'm peeping. I'm watching because I don't know if y'all know, but I see all. I know all. <laughs> and I see Grace is booed up. He has now become her bae. That's her man. So Grace, I need it all. How did we get from... I want to know how we ended up from... You started off as like diabetes Carrie Bradshaw and you ended up as like diabetes Wendy Williams. Like <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to compare her man to Kevin Hunter. We're not going to do that on this show. But I am very first of all, I'm not surprised he is a sweet guy. He was super sweet at dinner. It was nice to meet him. He was genuine and awesome. A guy from Staten Island, like classic New York dude. It was awesome. Um, but I do want to know the love Just story. Just going to clarify, he's not from Staten Island. He's we'll not. get really mad. He's from Long Island. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. Very different, very different. <laughs> I'm sorry, very different. People. I'm sorry, New York people. Don't hate me. But anyway, give me the tea. Give me the love story, the Taylor Swift of it all. I need to know. Was it injection at first sight? Like, what was it? <laughs> I don't know if it was the tequila shots or the insulin shots. But something oh my that night. That's my Carrie Bradshaw. The Carrie Bradshaw is like, and if the tequila is spiking, I wonder, like, like how do you even say <laughs> Yeah. So back to Grace. <laughs> how did you, how did you and your uh, diabetes, what's, what's it like to be in a relationship with a person with diabetes? To have a, a um, sugar boo. I love it actually. Um, the story of how we met is like, so essentially we were like all these diabetes zooms were happening online at the beginning of the pandemic. And so we hopped on a couple of the same ones. Um, and like at the start of everyone, like everybody's like, Oh, what's your name? Where are you from? 
Um, and we had hopped on one together and he was like, oh, I'm from like Long Island and New York. I said, I'm from New York, but I'm currently not in New York. Um, and then he like slid into the DMs <laughs> and was like, when you get back to New York, we should hang out. Um, and so like months later, I eventually came back to New York. I was like, I'm back in New York, like wanna hang out. Um, or rather I said, I'm back in New York and he said, wanna hang out. Ooh. Put him on blast. <laughs> um, so I, we honestly went into it as like friends. Um, and we, we like went out to brunch somewhere um, with like some of my friends, some of his friends. Um, we went out to brunch. We ended up getting like really drunk. <laughs> we had a blast of a time. Um, but we ended up getting along really well just as like people. Um, I think another thing I've learned is just like, just because someone has diabetes doesn't mean you'll automatically get along with them. Um, Facts. Like, people are still people, right? Um, but on like just a person level, we got along. Um, so we kind of just kept hanging out. Um, I think at the point that Eritrea came to New York City, things had started to change a little bit, but like not quite. <laughs> um, and then, I don't I mean, it, it, like it took a while to get more serious, I guess. Um, but I mean, I love, I love, I love him. I love dating a type one diabetic. I, it's great. Like he has no, like there's no awkwardness at all. Like I've dated my fair share of guys like in New York city. Um, and there's always that awkward moment when you're like, I have diabetes. Like, I don't know, <laughs> like I wear a thing on me all the time. Like, um, oh, that's like another thing. I just thought of that, like as someone with body image issues, like the fact that you have like a machine on your body all the time, that was also like something to deal with. Yep. Um, but like, there was no awkwardness that you had to deal with there. Um, I've had multiple people tell me like, oh, I would never date a type, I would never date another type one diabetic. And I'm like, well, I, I don't know why you wouldn't. Um, I guess everybody has their reasons, but like, at least in our relationship, we never judge each other in terms of like our diabetes. So if ever like, like I was having a really bad week the last week and I like hit 400, 300, it was never like, what are you doing wrong? It was always just like, what can I do to help? Mm -hmm. um, so it's like, it's made it, it's made it so that we're very supportive of each other. Um, also, if ever I like call him and I'm like, I'm low, he's like, I got juice boxes for you. So if he doesn't bring low snacks, I'll have low snacks or something like that. Um, I don't know. I, I don't personally love it. <laughs> so before we got on, uh, we, we kind of like talked about it in the intro, but so I have this, I'm kind of a baby, like when my blood sugar is low and if I'm at home, like I'm booed up, I'm chilling. So I'll literally just like look at Heston and be like, I'm low. I don't even have to tell him how low I am. I could be 80. I could not even be low. I could be lying. <laughs> and he is running. Okay. He's up quick. Even if he's in a bad mood, even if we're in a fight he'll go get it. So it's mm. just like, I wonder with two diabetics in that type of scenario is like, can you still be as, I don't know, annoying or dependent or like even just, I don't know, that much of a baby about your diabetes sometimes when somebody else is there to call you on your shit. I think so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I'm, when I'm really high, I'll get like really irritable. Um, so there was one day I was definitely giving him some attitude and he was like, what's good. And I was like, I'm like 300 right now. <laughs> he was like, 
what does that mean? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. you don't get irritable when you're high? I get so irritable. <laughs> I know Rob is like apparently a monster. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty short anyway. Uh, like with people okay and scorpio if I'm real yeah yeah for sure i'm just like my scorpio gets dialed up to 11 when i'm over 250 yeah <laughs> and when i'm a little bit low too i just become very like aloof i'm like just just i'll just goes in one ear and out the other or i'm just like kind of not paying attention so can yeah. you be goofy when you're low i'm kind of goofy when i'm Sometimes. low like i've had people ask me if i'm like under the influence when my blood sugar is low or like if i'm like zooted or something i'm like no man like that blood sugar just me, 46 so, dog uh <laughs> i I grew up in a very like my high school was super strict and like it was a, a Christian school and like if you drank somebody would rat you out and you'd get in trouble and so I was just trying to distance myself from that I was very much a goody two the shoes. valedictorian uh, you know what I'm saying I you know I'm a big I'm a big rule follower you give me the rules that's all that's all I got to do it's just how I'm built but um, I remember like the first few times I got like low blood sugars when I like felt. Like I, I wasn't in danger, you know, but I started to feel like the the sensitivity of being low and I had never felt like I never drank or like smoked or anything. And so I was like, uh, like enjoyed it kind of. It was just like a weird, like, oh, uh, we've uh, talked about this yeah, yeah, I was yeah. just like, I kind of like sat there for a little while. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like I feel unfamiliar and I feel like very loosey goosey. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Was, Tell me you grew up like in a strict culture without telling me you grew up yeah, in a strict yeah, culture. You sure. <laughs> said feeling low makes me feel funny. I like that. Oh yeah. my God. Hey, you know, uh, I, I'm glad I went to state school for college. You know what I'm saying? They got me out of that. <laughs> so are there any perks to like, other than like being hyper aware to each other's like needs, I guess, as far as diabetes goes, like, are there any other perks? Are there things that sometimes might like get in the way? Have you guys ever been low at the same time? Like stuff like that? Um, we have. I actually remember one time we were both going low and we both, we just had like a bag of candy open and we we're just both like laying there like, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh my gosh. They're just like um, trying to be okay eating some now and laters. <laughs> I think, I really think one of like the great parts about it is like, I never really have to explain like why I'm so frustrated with like a constant low or a constant high. Like he just, he just gets that. Um, just like he's been there. He had like, he also has that. Um, so I think there's just like another level of understanding. Um, so it's super cool. I, I think like whether it's romantic or just friendship or just, you know, meeting people in a meetup or something, you just get to skip so much of the explanation, so much of the exposition. You don't have to explain mm -hmm. why, you know, what's going on. And they've been there in some capacity, maybe not exactly, but they know, you know, have some idea what's going on. I think it's a cool mm -hmm. thing to share. It's all good. You know what? All I have to say is I can't wait to get, I, no, no pressure but I can't wait to go to the wedding. <laughs> so I can see like, I was on, like I was on a co-date with these people. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. This has been a very sweet turn. This is like, you came in with like tea and this has like been a very sweet. Hey, it wasn't, it Grace. doesn't have to be bad yeah. tea. Tea can be good. I'm not a bad witch. Okay. <laughs> my powers are for good. Okay. No, it's very good. Oh my gosh. But anyway, I just love how it was like kind of like a love story for me. Cause he, he really is such a great person. He's such a funny guy. I loved meeting him and then to see you guys end up so happy together. It just, seems like perfect um so wow uh diabetes hope springs eternal right Man. and you know <laughs> shout out all those diabetes zooms and like you know lots of rooms you know. dude i went to a few of those they were i'm so i'm weird about eye contact i'm really weird like th like this is hard for me kind of stuff so those <laughs> those zooms were really tough at the beginning but i actually met grace in one of them that's mm -hmm. how we met wow i need to go to more gotta go to more zooms there we go that's what it has to be because yeah 
seems like it was really productive for you and a lot of people maybe in the pandemic yeah, bring the zooms back you know i think especially like uh you know like you said diabetes can be isolating we were also in the covid mm-hmm. isolation it was just uh it was it was a good time there was like every night i remember one time it was like every night of the week there was some zoom going on uh i popped yeah. into one one time on a friday night it was somebody's birthday and uh <laughs> and, uh kendall Kitter Goshorn and uh, Sarah Johnson, the diabetic cactus were in there. And they're like, Hey, if this person's birthday and they love you, you should come in here and pop in. And, and so I did, I popped in. So you were a celebrity. <laughs> I know I get very few celebrity moments. I know you loved moments. it. I, I know, yeah, why I know that you were so hyped for it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, remember, I know what Zoom you're talking about. So it's because Rob is a poor man's Nick Jonas. Oh I'm my just kidding. Gosh. Oh my gosh. Don't, no. I can't wait to take my picture with Nick Jonas and be like, look at my son. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm dead. Oh my God. I want to talk about, so la- this last, so the last episode we had, we talked about bad sites. I have been experiencing so many of them. I know Rob has had some bad pump sites, but this past week for you, like you said, had been really tough. Um, maybe tell us a little bit more about your experience in this bad site week for everybody. Yeah, Cause I we've guess. been having them too. Yeah. And it's like a common. Um, yeah. So if, I mean, so I went on a little pump break some time ago because I pulled my pens out of the fridge. Um, and since I pulled them out of the fridge, I was like, I might as well use them. So I went on a little pump break. And then I recently started using my sites again. And every site since then until like today, honestly, has been bad. <laughs> um, and I thought I was going crazy. Um, I think what happened with the first site I put in after the fact, I think that insulin vial had gone bad. Um, cause it had been out for a while. It was like the last of it. Um, and you know, it's been like warm and stuff. Um, and then I put another site in, there was issues with that one. Um, that one ended up getting ripped out of my, my kitchen has these like handles that like my tubing always gets stuck on. So that, that site ended up getting ripped out anyway. Um, and then I put a new one on in a spot that I haven't tried before. Um, like a little bit lower, like kind of on my butt. Um, but it hurt going in. I was like, okay, maybe I'm just kind of being a baby about this one. I just left it in there, but then my sugar is just, I like, I probably averaged at like probably 250 for the week. Cause I was just having so much issue with all of my sites. Um, and when I, when I do have really bad blood sugars, my defiant self is like, fine, I'll go get a bagel then. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, if they're going to be high anyway, might as well crush a bagel. Hey, I'm going to go um, I'm going in style. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't the best decision because I had the bagel and then I went up like 400 and I honestly felt so sick. Like I thought I was going to throw up, not because of like the bagel, but because I was just so nauseous from the high mm-hmm. sugars. Um, and so I was like, okay, last ditch effort. If this doesn't work, I'm going to my endo because I do not know what else to do. I've been making sure I'm sleeping like eating right, bolusing, pre-bolusing, um, like sleeping right, whatever. I'm like doing everything right. So I don't know what's going on. And it's been this way with multiple sites. I finally pulled that one out and I just started immediately like bleeding right out of it. And I could smell the insulin. I was like, this is another bad site. How did this even happen? Um, so I put a new one in last night. Things have been good. I haven't gone above 200 in the past 24 hours. Not <laughs> So yeah, I'm like, I'm okay now, but it was definitely a very frustrating, like two weeks. Week it's it's so interesting to me because like, 
So now we're going to get to the whole thing that we're going to find out the secret. Apparently, Rob knows. He just shout has, out Steven. He's been gatekeeping it from us since he got the email. I'm really I mad that he got didn't the email tell me. Like yesterday. I'm like so annoyed he didn't tell me. Um, <laughs> but so what so what is it, Rob? Like, how do we stop it from happening? Or what did Steven say? Well, I'm going to go into detail about yeah, it because yeah, I still yeah. have to vet it out and like read it, read it all, like familiarize myself with it. But uh, Steven gave us some good tips about how cannulas get bent and how sites get occluded. So we're going to include some of those. And y'all are going to, I swear, my listeners. And, and you guys are going to think that I like planted all this, but this week Medtronic got FDA approval on a seven day, uh, site. So they've got a site that now will last up to seven days. Wow. So that's, you know, going to help. But yeah, the, I, I'm really interested. Not sponsored content at non-spawn, all. Non-spawn, not spawn here, but I will probably do a sponsored episode with somebody from Medtronic who can tell us like how they did it. And like, what are the things that they helped address to help make it last longer? Because as you guys know, Sites are foreign objects and your body like reacts to try to fight mm -hmm. against them and fight infection. That's why sometimes they get like inflamed and things like that. So really interested to see what they've done. But uh, before then, we'll use Steven's tips that he sent us uh, in the email because shout out our listeners and uh, always being willing to help and trying to I think that's so dope. By the wisdom. way, Steven, the fact that you listen to anything that me and Rob said ever and wrote an email. Wow, it was so amazing. I felt so special. Thank you. I can't wait to know what it is, but I didn't know that I guess I never thought about a pump site as a foreign object. I just thought about it as something that's like medically necessary. But now it makes me feel like, oh, no wonder sometimes sometimes they hurt and sometimes they don't. Yeah, bodies don't know. Wow. Just trying to protect you. Different sites for different folks. That wow. didn't work. Oh, well. <laughs> that did not work. <laughs> uh, Grace, I, I just wanted to thank you for coming on uh, to the show and uh, for being your authentic self. And, you know, whenever I was on... Uh, you know, whenever we do those events together, you said something earlier, like just because you have diabetes doesn't mean you're going to really vibe or click with somebody. And uh, it was cool to like, you know, be a part of an event that didn't even happen and then get to stay connected and stay friends through that. So, yeah. uh, you know, thanks for, thanks for being yourself and being you and uh, shout out to, we'll, we'll name him, shout out to Kevin and you guys, <laughs> a great relationship. Uh, it was cool to see that, you know, pop up, uh, you know, through the, you know, through the, the Instagram webs. And no shade to Kevin. I didn't name him because I feel like he's kind of private. And I was just like, I don't want to put man's on blast like that when he's a <laughs> homie. But definitely follow uh, Grace, guys. Like, if you're looking for somebody who is honest, raw, real, and could probably kick Rob's ass, um, hit her up on Instagram, Grace Type 1D, right? Yeah. And if you just need a friend who's a member at Equinox Hudson Yards, I mean, like that. Oh, yeah. The, the perks, <laughs> the perks there. <laughs> Try to get you in. Can't wait for upcoming takeover. It's going to be awesome. Definitely tune in for that. She's going to show us all over New York City. Grace is going to be locking and loaded bagels. Yeah, in I'm each ready hand. to see Grace's food spots. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Bagels I'll let you well. <laughs>